I think there's a big difference between hardware technology and software technology. I think hardware development is in a bad state. There's nothing really that interesting coming up. CS was a little depressing this year, I felt, like just from a hardware standpoint. Better well, TVs. That's, that's Well, I hate to be the outlier in this little triad, but first of all, we're in a period of total technological renaissance. And oh it God. certainly is Trey, you just, fall for every fad. No, it's happening in healthcare. It's happening in climate. It's happening in energy. It's happening in every aspect of the economy will be impacted by AI. I thought it was cool that there was a self-driving stroller, finally. A self-driving. You can just let the baby go. And yeah, I mean, it, it means you can be an absentee parent like much earlier than you used to be, which is good. I mean, if there was a self-driving stroller when my kids were young, I would have been like smoking cigarettes in the park. Uh, uh, versus over them while you're pushing the stroller. Yeah. Like, I just 3D printed a new liver because mine got damaged. Welcome to People vs. Algorithms, a show about patterns in media, technology, and culture. I'm Brian Morrissey. I write the Rebooting newsletter and have a podcast with the same name. I'm joined by longtime media executive and investor Troy Young and Alex Schleifer, former head of design at Airbnb and founder of Universal Entities. I am fresh off of CES where I saw no robots at all, but I definitely got a coffee behind the guy who was just wrapping up a big night. We're going to talk about everything that went down at CES, uh, both from a tech angle as well as from the media and advertising angle, since it has become a go-to event for media and ad executives to go and spend nearly all of their time in suites doing meetings. It's a very strange thing. We're also going to dip into AI, which is set to be everywhere this year and is already eliciting excess excitement, I believe. Troy got me into crypto, so I'm going to try to take this one easy, although I do think AI is the real deal as opposed to the monkey JPEGs. So let's get into it. Let's start with CES, because my CES, what, what I find interesting about CES is it's multiple different, it's like an entire universe, and the technology part is almost entirely separate from the media and advertising part. So let, let's actually t start on the tech side. Because, Alex, I want to get your sort of take on, on what technology was shown there, but also the role of CES at all, because it doesn't seem like it serves the original purpose, even though it's bigger than it's ever been. Yeah, <clears throat> it's an interesting show because I always, I always get really excited about it. And then I also find it very frustrating because so much of what they show, I think, is landfill, you know, it, it shows that. A lot of technology companies are a little stuck and they don't know where to add more technology. You know, everything that you see wants to be a phone. Every car, every fridge, every TV uh, just wants to be a phone. And the reason they want to be a phone is because they want to be able to charge that good, good 30% on any app you buy on it or any, 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 anything you tap. So this year it is well, no different. Also because, Alex, phones are batteries and screens and software. Yeah, I mean, but I think the software layer, the marketplace layer, BMW, the German and, and other German car makers have already said that they want to turn their cars into phones. They already said that they want to charge for features. 
And this year it's been a, another series of like slight, I mean, it's a, and it seems to be recurrent now. It's like slight upgrades to TVs. So TVs are better than last year, right? So they have, you know, TVs with wireless HDMI or, or higher resolution. Some technologies that are n- not required, like fridges with giant screens on it, cars that change color and display your NFT in the window. And then uh, the odd useful thing, like the, the thing that uh, analyzes your urine, you know, the smart Thank God there's pot. a new use case for NFTs. Forgot about that. Yeah, God. You know what? Uh, BMW didn't mention that it was an NFT, but it was obviously meant to be an NFT announcement, and they just called it a digital avatar. Yeah, um, but that iVision D thing, that BMW car with the 280 yeah. panels, yeah. that was badass. That's going to turn the streets into a circus. That's never going to come out. That's vaporware, man. Yeah. Stop it. It's this coming out is, next year. I'm getting it. Oh, my God. You're such I've an optimist. i already got it. I'm on the it's waiting gonna, list. It's going to come out when Elon fixes Twitter. Yeah. So I'm going through the history of CES. You know, it began in the 1960s. I didn't know it was this this old. The the VCR was actually unveiled here by Philips. What was the last good new technology like the VCR unveiled at CES? Well, that um, that's this is the the point that I think is is actually an interesting one. Get, get we'll get back to the the refrigerators that want to be phones because that's interesting too. But I I sense that you're a little disillusioned with the state of the technology industry. It might be because of the deluge. I mean, in fairness, Alex is disillusioned with a lot of things. Right, because no, you I mean, were tweeting I, earlier about the best minds at Google were like optimizing ads. Maybe this will get like it seems like the technology industry itself. And I think there's a good case to be made that it's hitting this weird like adolescence, or maybe it's just middle aged malaise, in which look at like all the lashing out going on with the best and the brightest of Silicon Valley are spending all of their time like talking about content moderation and quote unquote the media. Like the iPhone was the latest and greatest like big thing out of Silicon Valley. Like the tech industry, and I was reading this earlier, I forget who it is. Like it could just be entering, you know, middle age where they're going to be growth stocks. It's going to be about like dividends and and maybe it's best days are behind it. I wonder if it's, uh, I think maybe, I do think there is a, uh, we're seeing a new kind of blue sky, green field, whatever you want to call it, open up around software with AI. I d- and I do feel that a lot of the companies who are building hardware uh, or cars or fridges uh, have been looking to software as a way to expand their business because, you know, software is great margins and they all want to be in that business. And so you kind of see them scrambling, uh, trying to build shit that nobody needs, right? But isn't this also... Technology itself is like an ingredient to other industries. And I think that's the next phase in large part. Like instead of dictating everything, like you you talk about like cars. Yes, cars are hardware and software. The problem is like it's more cars. You're seeing this with Tesla's like stock. They're coming back down to like car valuations, not to software. Well, okay, but just let's keep going, guys. Like seriously, you put grumpy pants on the... Like is, you know, was CES interesting? I flew and Spirit he, Air, okay? I think uh, I'm in a right. good mood. I'm not, you're not the grumpy pants, it's Alex. But like, we got all these crazy folding screens. They're super interesting. We got the yoga book from Lenovo that's interesting. Uh, we have a new turntable for Sonos that's wireless, that's super cool. More importantly, on the tech innovation side, are your devices in your home that do home automation can finally fucking talk to each other with this new protocol called Matter. 
which means that your Google thing can talk to your Apple thing. They can talk to your Samsung thing. They can talk to, you know, your whatever else thing. And that's cool because like in my house, I, sometimes I don't know who to ask to shut the lights off. Well, yes, and uh, yes, once, yeah, that? yeah, no, but yes, no, I no, want this, that. This, I fucking love that stuff. Yeah, yes, not I'm only that, Alex, I can now pee. I can now pee oh, into my toilet and get I'm back gonna, data on my iPhone. I'm gonna get complaining. Yeah, else that's, about this. I, I did mention that as the only thing that I felt was like useful. Let's go over some of these. A lot of these kind of Lenovo fucking yoga books and folding screens are technology still looking for use case that nobody has figured out there's nothing where you say oh my god this solves so many problems um secondly the matter stuff is a software layer that has been talked about for the last two years and it's coming out it's been coming out for a while i already have matter stuff in house this is not new technology and once again it's a software improvement um, you have it i don't but with this and the smart home stuff what i'm seeing a lot of is like technology to shove it into something where it doesn't need it no clear use cases and a lot of technology that gets bought that has a life a shelf a lifespan that is much shorter than it used to be so like Alex. your fridge with an android tablet in it is useless okay. in six months. i mean that's kind of well. cool if you want to look at the weather on the fridge but alex we can print a kidney oh it's no, that's pretty cool. cool the health stuff is cool and exciting but but the thing is it's like the the I, okay let's take the health stuff right like heavily regulated industry like the tech people are not going to be able to disrupt health i mean we saw how that went with theranos and like to me it's just I know, Troy, I'm not, I'm trying to be like, uh, not be grumpy, but like a lot of this is like tech hitting the reality that its best days are behind it. When was the last time you could get a health reading by peeing? The, you, your, the urine is tested all the time. What are you talking about? But every day you just pee and it gives you a reading on your phone. I'm into that too. And you combine that with like gut biome stuff like that's working on your stomach chemistry and you start to, there's lots of practical stuff there. Yeah. I just but, think but Troy, when you get out of the apps and games and stuff, no offense to the games and Silicon Valley tries really, to tackle. You're, you're, on, really not to offend, you're like, you're not trying to offend anyone today, right? Yeah. Wow. And by the way, when I referred to grumpy, it wasn't you, it was to Alex. Oh, okay. And no he fun. knows what I mean by Sorry. it. And I it's in the, in the most loving way. Okay. I mean, I'm not, I don't think I'm just being, I'm just being, I don't know, consistent with the, with, with, with my opinion on like technology that is inherently useless and it's going to end up as a dead LCD screen somewhere. But when it, when technology needs to integrate within other industries, right. And that's where it gets really interesting when it integrates with health, when it integrates with climate and stuff like this. The problem is it comes in, it's not a disruptor, it's an ingredient. Like it's like we saw what happened in fintech, you know. The technology industry convinced itself that it was going to like disrupt this like massive industry and stuff like this. And and what did we get? Buy now, pay later? Well like, that's what? The, isn't that part of so there's two issues that I see, right? The first one is that for some reason nobody can build a good interface now. The, the, all the new interfaces in cars, on TVs, on fridges, they're all nightmares. All of them. Try to use one of them. They're all of them. You would never buy one for your parent or for somebody, you know? They're all nightmares. Number one, no good user experience. Number two- I'm not convinced of, there's an interface my, my mother can use, but that's a different point. An iPad. An iPad. An iPad. That's the interface anyone can use. Yeah. And, and it's a solved problem. Children using iPads, they're very yeah. expert. 
Did you ever see children reading a magazine and trying to use it like an iPad? Because yeah, it's, that's it's easier. That's number one. Nobody's building good interface. I don't know why. I've talked to some of these car companies. They seem incapable of building something that isn't shit. I don't know why, but that's the case. Number two, everyone seems to end up to want to build something that has some sort of way of making money either via a service, so they try to shoehorn one in, or advertising. I, I don't want to spend three grand on a TV and then have it spy on me and, and advertise on every time I try to change the settings, but that's what happens today. It's and It's personalizing and, content and experiences for you. Yes, it's, that's right. I, and I think both of these things make all of these products inherently wait, useless. Wait, who said the TV has to spy on you? I really am looking forward to the new 95-inch LG OLED TV that doesn't have any wires. I think that'll be awesome. And I'm going to watch uh, the Wildcard Weekend on something like that. That would be great. Right, right. I need a bigger, uh, bigger living room. That's what it tells me. <laughs> as you set it up, as you set up your television... Let's remember, as you set up your television and agree to 7,000 lines of a terms of service that allows to like scan the videos you're watching so that it can display content, I'm sure you'll feel happy about not having those cables. I want to get back to Alex's malaise because I, th mm. I want to diagnose it because I don't think you're by nature <laughs> a person prone to malaise, but maybe. Well, very um, optimistic. That's not true. No, He's depressive. What? <laughs> what it comes down to is it's like the utopian vision, California vision of like technology runs up against these companies are being run like they're private equity now. And like, I want to use this to go into AI because I think that's like a, an exciting new area, like genuinely exciting innovations that are going on there. And it leaves a question about like Google and AI and stuff like this. And these companies are now so hidebound that like they actually probably have these innovations within them, but because for public policy reasons or because of their business, it disrupting their own business, that they haven't pushed forward with them. I, you can't convince me that Google did not does not have most of what like OpenAI has within it. Like, I just don't no, believe that. Nobody's trying to convince you of that. Okay. But Google is, but Google has been, I, it feels like Google has been just sucking the internet of all its value and, and juice and then having created its own kind of self-generating money machine by turning everything into SEO and ad serving. And it's kind of it's kind of starting to run dry. And I'm so happy that a new technology will come up that can potentially like give people an alternative. Because right now Google's business model is based on its terrible UX. Like the I, experience of Google I, being bad is what makes its money. It's terrible. And Google used to be the most optimistic. Every week when Google used to, something would come out of Google that would make you happy and feel excited about the future. Every week. And I don't think that any CEO can make the decisions that will get them out of there. It's a little bit like Intel 10 years ago. Ooh. You know when I knew, and then I'm going to bring you in. So I'm going to stop being so grumpy. The, just to continue the grumpy thing for a minute. The, I, there was a moment when I knew that MySpace was going to lose to Facebook. And it was when they had some ad exec who got up and he said, you know, we have new features that we will not ship until we find a brand to integrate with them. I was like, oh, you guys are fucked. Are you seriously going to like not ship features until Wendy's figures out how they can brand it? Like, forget it. Okay, well, that's a good point, but. I mean, just first of all, I have to tell you that over the years spending time with technology companies, 
it was the people at Google that I always enjoyed spending time with most. I thought they were the most open-minded. I thought so many of them were deeply talented. And it always felt to me a little bit more like an academic institution than a company. And it's, of course, because it was filled with the smart kids and they were awash in an easy faucet of money. So that I think it created and they and they, you know, and they had endeavored to create a certain type of culture. So I always enjoyed interacting with Google. And I think over the years, they've made really good decisions and really remarkable products. I think the bind other than the obvious, which is, you know, their business is based on clicks and search is that abstracting from the publishing layer is a real conundrum. And I just a little anecdote about that. They started doing that pulling summary product reviews and buy now buttons out of the publisher pages in an attempt to make the search experience better for people looking for some kind of recommendation for a product. And the publishing industry went ballistic. And because it was, you know, it obviously struck to the heart of how so many people made money with affiliate. And so we have seen Google in single moves destroy entire categories of sites like the shopping sites you know, movie listings, weather, there's all kinds of places that they've intervened and really had massive economic to massive economic consequence. But now here's the thing that I think happened this week, guys, is the pressure is real. And this was the sort of thing that, you know, when we titled this section, everybody's freaking out about AI. Like, just I want to just kind of go over a couple of these things, right? So Google has made a bunch of good moves, including, by the way, when they invested $650 million in DeepMind. If you looked at that compared to the valuation at $29 billion for OpenAI, that was obviously a really good investment that they made. And Google has broadened their business lines, you know, and has deep integration into our brains across Chrome, Safari, Android, your home, you know, Google, YouTube. There's just a whole array of products that insulates them from. But but the consequences of search pressure are real and immediate. So what have we seen? Like everybody I talk to, whether they're content marketers or ad startups or affiliate publishers or software companies, are putting time and energy into this immediately. And it was like seeing what's the name of that company, Brian? Is it Neva? The new search oh, yeah. thing. The guy used to be on the board of the IB with me. What was his name? Who's running that? For, he was an ex-Google employee. Like today you saw what it looks like to have an abstract that serves yeah, the, the search and then provides links underneath as well as citations. And it's out there and it's going to be out in another two months through Bing. So the pressure is real and it's immediate. And I think that the value proposition of the consumer is significantly different enough that you will switch. But like, I guess, I guess just to stick happen. on, stick on this original point, which by, by the way, I'm very impressed. You've stuck with your thing about like flattering the powerful, but a bit is only good as good as how far you're willing to take it. But like, Tell me there's not going to be like some sort of New York Times inside Google's disarray over AI story about how they had these innovations and didn't actually push them out for business and public policy reasons. I'm pretty sure that story is going to happen. It's already been written. Yeah. And what does that say with the company? What does that say about the company's ability to lead innovation? To me, it says that those days are over. The days of it being an academic institution and all the, the different colored balls. Now it's IBM. But those days have been over 
I think those days have been over for years. Yeah, right? time to do I, the dividends. I think the transition to Alphabet hurt that a lot because the company didn't have a shared vision and they could kind of separate the thing that makes money from all the other things that don't. And it made all these other things feel really, you know, uh, like bad ideas. And and I think I, so I think they, they lost, a, I don't know if they lost their way because they made so much money. The, the challenge I have with Google is that it's not only a, a, a company that's in decline and struggling to to kind of come to terms with a new technology. They actually did ruin the environment that they were existing in. I think they they Google fundamentally hurt the web by how it decided to build its ranking and how it decided to incentivize website makers to build terrible websites. Google is the reason why we have so many terrible websites. I think. Google is the reason why you have to read twenty minute article before or a Apple is the, the recipe. Are or they the reason for the Apple? jump? Why is Apple the reason? Who's to blame because for the jump to Apple recipe? Apple never ever supported the open web because Apple forced the app construct that bifurcated efforts everywhere and made all of the kind of discovery of applications run through their pipes and made it more difficult to be the creator of a consumer experience on the open web. But Alex, I think your point, just wait, pause, big concession ahead. I think your point about what we have created with Google search and the behavior that it's created is absolutely true. We have millions of smart people or thousands at least that create content every day, anticipating what people are going to search and slavishly creating under that paradigm. And I think that, I think that you're right. I think that so it has had unintended th- consequences. Wait, and it, I think you're also right about Apple, by the way. I, I agree. You see, Brian. But I, Apple they're all built, to blame. Well, here's, a, but here's maybe an analogy. Blame Apple, power. Apple has, this, Apple has been cultivating this walled garden, right? And they said that this is the, their future. So there's at least some honesty around that. I think Google's critical flaw is that they've been building an, a business on top of the open web without maintaining the open web, right? So they... They came in there, killed all the dodo, and now they're going hungry. Mm. Or whatever. Whatever animal got, got killed by settlers. I don't know. Trey, what's your yeah. early take on like the I think impact? it was the, be- the, the beaver. We made too many p- hats. That's what that's, happened that's in a, Canada. That's a Canadian stuff. We've talked about this a little bit, but I'm interested like in your conversations, is, is there a lot of concern about like, look, publishers use SEO for a ton of their traffic. They have entire operations that are just about feeding the beast, using the search authority to get high ranking on searches. And it works. It's a business line. If this is at risk, I mean, publishers are really screwed. Just a little anecdote about that. I talked to the CEO of a company that um, runs uh, affiliate marketplaces this week <clears throat> that, that I'm involved with. And the thing is highly profitable. And I keep going to him and saying, dude, you have to be way more paranoid. I went to a management meeting with them and the team was giddy. They were ranking so well and making so much money on so many terms. And I'm like, you guys, you guys, how many times have we had to see, you know, businesses with their legs cut off underneath of them before you're going to learn this lesson? We need to find a way to create value outside of just ranking in the SERP page. You need to be way more paranoid. So he calls me 
and we're talking on the phone and he says, I looked at a bunch of our content and we keep ranking for it in these obscure terms. And I went and looked at the content. I happened to be looking for this product for my home and I landed on one of our pages and it was absolute crap. And we were ranking really high. And I went back to the team and I said, stop everything. We need to refactor all of our top pages and make them much, much, much better. And we need to be way more paranoid, which I was delighted to hear. But you're, you're right. What's good, your question, just to get back to your question, Brian, I don't know how that resolves. I think it resolves in all the ways that we're seeing now where publishers are endeavoring to build bigger direct audiences to get more intimacy through email, to find how to spread themselves across more channels, which is so tiring as a publisher. But I'm telling you, it's an anomaly to see a publishing business that has even 25% direct traffic. Yeah. To their website. I mean, usually it's, it's a lot. It's like, usually it's, yeah, yeah. Well, it's, it's usually direct is, is somewhere between 10 and 15 at best. Yeah. I mean, that's yeah. gotta be worrisome. I don't know. It was one of the topics actually I'm going to be addressing because they asked for it and going to talk to some German publishers. It's hugely worrisome, but it feels, it feels like a moment where, it kind of needs to be all burnt down to yeah. to come back I mean, in a healthier way. Publishers need a break. I mean, they just need to be able to have long lunches and martinis. It comes at them constantly. I what know that was the, the, the good old days. Yeah, they're the good gone. old days. That was my big takeaway from CES because, like, I was on the other side, so I didn't see any robots. I saw no refrigerators. I didn't see this ninety-five inch TV because I did not set foot in the the technology part. It's on another side of the strip and like everyone in the media and ad world is between the RA and the cosmopolitan. And it's mm -hmm. a very strange thing. But like anyone I ran into, I think the word was grind. Like they all expected this year to be a total grind. And then so grind it's, it's towards the what? word of the year. And I don't yeah, really want early. to bring this up, but who the hell is this organization that I highlighted in our text chat? that has suggested that the word "ussy" is the word of the year or the suffix of the year or the half word of the year. Did, did you guys see me text? Which year? You? This year. Yeah, are we already oh, on to 2023? 2023. It's 10 days uh, in. No, I must be for 22, Brian, but it's... Oh, what's it's the, the 22, name of the 2022. Okay. What's the name of it's the organization? It's called the American Dialect, the American Dialect Society. I thought you would have American known Dialect about this, Society. Brian. No. Apparently, it's big on social is media. Is this like a real organization or is this like... I don't know. You're the resident. They people, are, sort of... people are adding... No, I'm not. Like, what is it? They said the word of the year was something annoying. It's always annoying. Well, because now it's always like... It was before like these things existed like outside of the digital world. And now like the digital culture is like eaten like the entire world. <laughs> I mean, and I don't want to be crass. A lot, of, and... a lot of digital culture to me is annoying as shit okay mm. well i agree but i, I it's don't like how many crass. how many things do you have to like mute like on like twitter it's like first it was like good morning to everyone except okay okay then we're gonna have to mute that and do i and does that mean i stop on one. twitter saying gm everybody yeah uh -huh. like yeah. troy you were trying not to be crass which is always a bad sign but well i you know i, I just think there? that this is hilarious that you know there was a linguistic phenomenon that i didn't know about based on part of the female anatomy and a slang word for it and putting ussy at the end of anything from pizza to wine to boy is apparently the word of the year according to this is obscure this some organization kind of like trans is this like a transgressive thing or is this like 
I wonder. Right. Well, I doesn't I don't seem think we like it use... fits in the. Doesn't uh, seem like it fits in the current vibe. Well, we're definitely not equipped uh, to use it. But I think the. I wonder how much of these things are still relevant with culture being so like distributed as it is today. Like, I'm pretty sure there's a bunch of people who never heard of this and and are saying no. You know, the word of the years is is toenails or whatever. It's like that guy Andrew Tate. I'd never heard of him before in my life. Uh, I wish yeah. I didn't. But it's there's big enough pockets of things happening, and then you know that. Well, American you know who I you know who I care not about. You know who I don't care about. Is that right? Harry <laughs> Prince Prince Harry. I couldn't. He's not Prince. It. Take it. To, he's just a guy in L.A. Harry Harry yeah. in L.A. I've muted Harry. I had to mute, mute Harry. Harry. I Stop muted it. Harry. I don't want to hear Megan. your. I don't want to hear about your problems. I don't care where you lost what, your what virginity. Are, what are you? What, 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 uh, yeah, I have. I've been avoiding it. I'm not a big fan of royalty in general. I find. Uh, I hate him as much as the British do. What about the Hohenzollerns? But, uh, but wait, are you like a pro royalty person, Troy? <laughs> yeah, Troy. Yeah. Well, I grew Russians. up with royalty. Yeah, I mean, I think there's a certain way. Of oh yeah, you're yourself. a Commonwealth person, right? Yes. God save the it. queen. I don't get it. I don't get it. All right, but you know, I'm I, French. I'm French. We got rid of that a while ago, so I got I, I got to get used to it. Yeah, French Austrian wasn't. Well, <laughs> well we're talking, like Salzburg. You know, yeah. I hate that when we veer off our topic because we were talking AI. Now we veered into a like a ditch. Okay. And we and now I want to talk about all these movies that are about how much rich yeah. people suck. I watched the menu. I thought I thought it was fun. I liked Chef. Fantastic. But like, Fantastic. do you have any you know, rich people aren't that bad. <clears throat> yeah, they are. Here's what happened, Troy. I was having this conversation just earlier. Okay. I get a sense that among a certain type of incredibly wealthy people, sometimes new money. There is a sense that there is a culture war being fought that nobody else is fighting. And therefore, there are people like Elon who start talking about the woke mind virus. And they have create an environment where they all talk to each other, but have no real sense of what's going on. And the rest of the populace is looking at them and going, you're out of your fucking minds. You're not delivering enough value. Turns out you're not as smart as you are. And we, you won't, you're, you're tired of hearing about Harry everybody's tired about hearing about all these like billionaires that have created media empires including us about like how hard their life is i think it's turned because they're just annoying man fucking i cannot listen to the all-in pod and have them talking about with glee how all these people got fired and how they were like surplus elites like they're the surplus elites like these guys surplus are, elites they call them surplus elites those capital allocators are calling product managers and localizers and people who work in customer support and in in the kitchens of tech companies they're calling them surplus elites meanwhile they luckily were at facebook when it hit big and made more money and put another bet in like like i think people are just tired of that so so the eat the rich thing is coming out of that i think people are just tired interesting people I thought that was like, good alex that made me feel something I mean, Elon was man of the year 20, in 2021. People loved Elon. Most people loved Elon. Yeah, that's true. And, and I... why do people not love Elon? Because of Elon. But isn't it also, I mean, there's just like, it, it's just part of the inequality thing, you know? I mean, there's a lot of inequality and people take it out. Like, we've never lived in, in you know, you could read Piketty or just say you've read him because it's like a 900-page book. Yeah. <laughs> Well, let's just tell people the thread that we pulled through the People Suck or I Hate Rich People movies 
the menu, which had a you know a wonderful climax, but I think we'd all agree we saw the movie. Uh, Triangle of Sadness that had my favorite barf scene of the year. Oh, I haven't seen um, that yet. That, like, I'm excited. Uh, that doesn't ruin it, so there's some barfing. Glass Onion, which was also about an asshole rich guy who got his due. Mm-hmm. And I would argue White Lotus, it was about clueless rich people being fleeced by a common prostitute. Yeah, absolutely. Both seasons have been about wealth and class and there's a little bit of schadenfreude of, of seeing folks like the suffer when so many people are, are having a hard time, right? Like the way what Brian said, like the divide is big and, uh, and there's a lot of flaunting. I feel like we just pivoted the podcast to the schadenfreude podcast. No, I think we should, have, we should have a woke leftist podcast. But Alex, would you do me a favor and just pronounce that word properly for me? Which one? Like with sch- schadenfreude. Schadenfreude. Thank you. There's a lot of words that I hear people say that are either French or German that I've actually learned how to pronounce like Americans do. So so because it's it sounds like yeah yeah well like you know uh, know. like like coup de gras. You don't go down to the low of like kind of a croissant. No, I hate I hate the way Americans pronounce uh, crescent. It's so crude. It's a croissant. Oh please, it's a croissant. (laughs) <laughs> I, I, Alex, what is the proper pronunciation of croissant? I sound like, I, I, you know what? I, I what do you say I, when you go to the store and ask for a croissant? I don't want to sound like a douchebag, so I say, could you have a croissant? Even though it's croissant. But Thank if you, you. you know, you start sounding like the guy who, who say, oh, let's go to karaoke, and he goes, it's pronounced karaoke. You don't <laughs> want to be that guy. You don't yeah, want to be true. that guy. Or do you? I don't know. You know. Anyway, this has gone uh, places I didn't expect it to. Oh, I loved it. I thought that was a great little detour. Thank you for that. Yeah. yeah. Good. Let's wrap it up there. Well, no, I can't. we can't wrap it up because you asked me to bring a good product to the table. Oh, shit. Let me just preface this a little bit because this is an emotional story for me and a real story, if you don't mind, Brian. Um, so we're surrounded by digital noise, okay? And... Last night, I finished my cleanse. Thanks for asking me about how that went. And I finished a seven-day cleanse, and I tried to convince two of my children to come out and have a hamburger with me, but they had other plans. So I went out on my own to get some. And I was going to sit at a bar somewhere and eat a hamburger and have a Manhattan, just a simple dinner. So anyway, I ended up going to a Mexican spot. But I was sitting there, and my wife is out of town, and she texts me. And I'm sitting at the bar getting dinner. I had been on a seven-day cleanse. I'm hungry and I'm emotional. And she sends me this photo of my father. My, my wife is traveling, but she took a little detour and went to hang out with my mother in British Columbia for a few days. She finds this photo of my father in this suede jacket with sunglasses on. I think probably age, I would put him at about 43, 44. He died when he was 48, when I was 19 years old. And there's so much I wanted to share with him that I never got to share, unfortunately. And I looked at the photo and there was something about, there was something in his face that just killed me about how when I was young, like that he had a lot on his mind and he was carrying a lot, both both as a, a father and a breadwinner and a sick person. And I looked at this, so he looked at this photo in a completely different way. And I broke into tears. And 
It wasn't a video. It was just a snap of a photo that my wife texted to me and it absolutely killed me. And it reminded me that photographs, single photographs can really make you feel so. And how it's that just single instantaneous abstraction of reality that is so powerful. And I love photographs. Yeah. So but that's do you think it's also product. because I think it's a great story, but like, do you also think that that's because there's a finite number of photographs of your father? Oh, yeah. It definitely has to do with the time between... I mean, I haven't looked at a photograph of him in a long time. We don't have a lot of him in our home. And obviously, what he meant to me and what I didn't get to share with him. So, it's all of that. But yeah, and it's scarcity for sure. Yeah. But I wonder also, I think it's a beautiful story, Troy. I think it's also a photograph. Um, it's something you can look at and your mind isn't being distracted by anything else. So, you really focus in on the memory and what it means to you. Like a photograph is unique to that, you know, which where video or audio kind of brings you back maybe into a moment that you kind of live through while a photograph, I think, allows you to have a feeling. Yeah. That's some old school cool there. Nice, did you see, nice you see the was, photo? I can yeah. see the photo. Did you see yeah. that there was, there's actually a trend? It's not totally in taking analog photographs, but for young people to be going back to digital cameras. Yes, I did see that. It was a New York Times story. Yeah. And they want the look of first and second generation digital cameras. My daughter has one of those. She, I wondered why she wanted it. I guess she found it was cool. There you go. Photographs. Hope you enjoyed this episode. And if you did enjoy it, please share it with someone that you also think would find it valuable. Leave us a rating and review on Apple or elsewhere. And also send me your feedback. My email is bmarcy at therebooting.com. 